Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the War Room Podcast. You have your host here. Uh, well, I'll say one of your hosts. My name is T Cop. Alongside of me is Big E. What's going on, brother? Ain't nothing, man. Good day to uh, talk a little ball. Uh, got several things to talk about: East Carolina, NFL, things of that nature. So let's get to it. Speaking of that, listen, we got a big week this week. Not only because it's East Carolina opener uh, against South Carolina. But it's NFL Sunday, NFL Thursday. The NFL is back, y'all. We definitely excited about that. Big E, Thursday night. Dallas Cowboys, shout out Aunt Lisa. Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> Tampa Buccaneers. Who you got? Uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys, but I do believe Tampa Tom and the boys are going to still do their they job and – we might fall short, and we got a few, um, you know, players that are missing due to COVID protocols and stuff like that. No for excuse. the Dallas Cowboys. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> First of all, you got a captain and an offensive lineman in Martin, who Zeke himself, who was interviewed, said that most plays cut back behind this guy, and that mm-hmm. cut back block is major. So I believe that we definitely need the run game in order to compete. You got Dak, who's been sitting out of practice here recently, who's gonna uh, basically full go this week in practice. So we'll see how that goes and coming back off that ankle injury. So uh, Tampa Bay, you know, Mike Evans said that they are years ahead of where they were last year, and and you got to believe that because truthfully, I really feel like. This would be Tom Brady's best year to date. I believe that. To date. And this is why. Okay, so Tom Brady played with the with New England Patriots for 20, 11 years. I think 20 years or something Let's say like that. 50, 11 years. He played with them <laughs> for a long time. He knew they playbook like the back of their hand. So last year when he get to Tampa Bay, it's COVID year, so they're not together. Right. He's trying to learn this playbook on the run. So that's why during the season, I felt like he was kind of up and down. Like some games, he have a good game. Some games, he'll go back to being inconsistent. But it was just strictly because he didn't know the playbook. Right. You right. know, so now you give him a whole offseason to work with his receivers, to learn the playbook. And this is the thing. They won the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> they won the Super Bowl Trying last year. <laughs> so now you give him that opportunity to come back in, learn the playbook, get with his receivers, get down timing. Now he's hitting the ground running. This is another Super Bowl. And they, everybody came back. The defense everybody, came back. Everybody. And, you know, another crazy part about him is, you know, how you said the chemistry was being able to be built. Um, what better way to go to work knowing that you're the champion? and Everybody's back. And everybody's still there. Like, there's, you might have a few rookies sprinkled here and there, mm-hmm. but they're not expected to do anything. Like, there's no rookie that's being put in a position on that team to where they have to be a key figure mm-hmm. right now. You have – all these receivers, you have Tom who really has nothing else to prove. Yep. So he actually gets to go to work and have fun. He's in Florida, not New England. Uh, True. You know, he, I mean, the tax bracket, the tax, this is a little different in no, Florida. No state taxes. So he's doing better with that. Yep. You know, and he has this young, and Byron Leftwich, who's a, a young offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. who he's probably molding himself. Like he's probably teaching him some stuff. Teaching him some stuff, and they're able to work together. So that one makes it a little bit more comfortable. You're not underneath the thumb of Bill Belichick as he was in New England. So, and then Bruce Arians seems like he's probably the one of the dopest coaches to play for. True. You know, so I believe uh, they'll probably win the Super Bowl again. And the only team I can see possibly is the Chiefs. 
competing with them. That's the only one I can see. I think the Chiefs and the the Bucks are one and two. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is a far three. A far three. A far, a far three. three. Yes. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. But going into the week, you know, like I said, this is going to be NFL week. I'm excited about seeing football again, NFL football again. Of course, I love college, but I love NFL football. Who are you looking – what can I say? Who are you looking to see the most get out in the football field? They may be with a new team mm-hmm. or just have high expectations this year. Who are you looking to see? I think for me, I would love to see how Julio Jones pans out uh, in Tennessee. I mm-hmm. want to see how that pans out because he's one of those players I would have never expected to leave. Like I, he was a lifetime Atlanta Falcon to me. I would never saw that. And then I want to see Jameis Winston. I want to see him following up down the Saints. Um, okay, with the Saints. I want to see how he does. He had a, all those goofy videos in the offseason, him working out and everything about his workout. When you see it, it just makes you say, "Oh my God!" Like how is he in the NFL? You mm-hmm. know. But mm-hmm. then he lights it up in the preseason. <laughs> And he's throwing the ball and, and doing what he's doing. And then he's actually sounding a little bit more mature in some of his interviews. Mm-hmm. So uh, if he can translate that from preseason to regular season, I would love to see how it works out for him. And then following up from Drew Brees, you know, a new identity for the Saints now. So I want to see how he does. How about you? Who would you want to see? Uh, you know what? This is kind of controversial. And it's going to be very controversial with the Cowboys. <laughs> and I'm not just saying it because they play this Thursday. But this is something I've always been harping on. I want to see – how Ezekiel Elliott, how he performs this year. That's the reason why I want to, and the only reason why I want to see that is because I feel like Tony Pollard was more productive. He was. Last year. Yeah. You know, but the Cowboys paid Ezekiel so much money. I really want to see how does he come back this year and will the Cowboys pull the plug on him and give Pollard more carries if he's more productive? Because this is this season right here, the Cowboys got to show something. <sighs> They got to show that's something. That's almost every year, isn't it? That's true. That's every year. And they year, put a bro. they put a ton of money into El, into Elliot. Ninety. They gave him ninety million. That's a lot of money. You know, I mean, he will never see all of it, but to sit here and say, "Hey, we're willing to give you up to ninety million to be a running back at that," you it, know, and running backs careers don't last that long. No. And his early success was because they had the best offensive line. Well, mm-hmm. that offensive line has been, you know, Tyron Smith gets hurt every other game, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, as the offensive tackle. And Zach Martin, he's had his issues. Some guys have retired. Some guys have moved on. Lael Collins is probably the best offensive lineman they have right now. Mm-hmm. But then injuries pick up. You know, you lose, you know, uh, you know the some veterans uh, on the offensive line as far as even in the depth chart where you don't have that anymore. So as far as running the ball, I don't know if they can do it the same way. I don't know if it's there. I mean, a lot of times we get into conversations about once guys get paid, they stop playing as hard or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. I get it. But what happens when the defense is on the field and we're not necessarily stopping everybody, so now we have to throw the ball. So now Ezekiel's numbers will drop then too because mm-hmm. we have to throw the ball to keep up. That's true. So it's definitely um, something to see. I don't think he's going to ever get back to those first couple of years. I don't see it. If you're GM – I know I, t- I called you uh, Jerry Jones last week and had to switch to Belichick. <laughs> but if you're Jerry Jones, because you the you the guy that's paying the money, if you Jerry Jones or you the GM or you the head coach, you put it this way, you're in a, in a power in the place of authority right now. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Ezekiel Elliott if you got Pollard still being more productive, even though you done paid him all this money? What do you do with Pollard? Is is this a situation where you try to trade Pollard? And get value for him because they understand how how good he is. Mm-hmm. When he gets in the game, he's productive. Or do you try to get rid of Ezekiel? I can see them. Mm. 
they're going to lose so much losing Ezekiel. Like they're going to end up kicking out. Do they just bite that bullet and just pay that guarantee and just deal with it? Mm. Or you have potential trade offers that could probably fall in place for Pollard because you have like the, the Ravens mm-hmm. who need somebody. Exactly. They have two backs that are down. They need a new back. They're working out Le'Veon Bell and I think Devontae Freeman, veterans. But Tony Pollard is still young, so he could go there for a trade and maybe what value do they have to give you? Do they have draft picks or what do they have? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then you can sit here and say they can trade a draft pick for Tony Pollard, maybe get rid of uh, Ezekiel or try to restructure that deal and then draft a running back that next year that you get don't have to pay that much on a third, fourth, fifth round type guy mm-hmm. where you can develop them. I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up. Jerry Jones is always going to get in the way. And um, it's going to probably be another dismal year for the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. As I much as I want them to be great, Dak is coming back off a broken ankle. He's going to have to be somewhat uh, – he's going to be a little – Testy, you're not going to sure. He's not going to trust that that much. I think that I think Dak coming back gives you. And like, I don't want to harp on the Cowboys. I understand, it's but it's America's team. It's America's team, so we got to talk about them a little bit. I feel like with Dak coming back, that gives them the confidence they need offensively. But to me, it was never offensively where we struggled. I can say we, but where the Cowboys struggled at mm-hmm. is defensively. Yeah, I feel like they was always in a shootout. Right, trying right. to outscore teams yes, because yes. teams just scoring at will against the Cowboys last year. So I don't, I don't know. We're not going to walk away from you saying we either. I know. So you go ahead and let's accept the fact that you, uh, you, you just weed yourself into the Cowboy world. So, I did. but I know you didn't mean it. But uh, we'll see how it goes. But you know, moving forward, I mean, we have East Carolina coming off their first game. Um, we didn't necessarily do what we thought we will could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played App State, lost thirty three to nineteen. Was there anything a part of that game that you saw that we can work on, fix, uh, adjustments that you think could have been made to to make the game a little closer? What what are your thoughts on the game? Man, Biggie, it was we kind of talked about it before. I think everything, I said this before, everything. We need to get better at everything. It's not just uh one position group. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Was App State good? App State is a good ball team. They can play ball. They're, they know exactly who they are. They know what they wanted to do, and they came out and did it. But I think we made them look better than what they really were because uh, a lot of things that we was doing, uh, even when you go to the defense side of the ball, you know, it's a lot of times our linebacker wasn't filling the correct gaps, uh, whether it was because they wasn't moving the gap over and the teams were going in motion. Uh, offensively, we could never get in the rhythm. We can never get in a rhythm when it comes to passing the ball. What were we trying to do? You know, are right. we trying to establish the run game? Are we trying to establish more of the passing game? Regardless of what we was trying to do, it wasn't flowing for us. Right. And right. I feel like we got to get into that flow of what we're trying to establish. I know one thing for sure. Number 25 needs to be on the field uh, the Mitchell, entire game. Mr. Mitchell need to be tired at the end of the game. Oh, huh? my goodness. <laughs> Look, his speed is – you know, you got some guys that runs four three in the forty or four four in the forty. You got some of those guys that does that. But when the game time, when the when the game action starts, they don't look like they're four three guys, you know, or four four guys. They they speed kind of blend in with everybody else's speed. Twenty five? <laughs> Mitchell? Different. Oh, his speed separates itself. Right. Like his his forty speed is his game time speed. You know, and you don't get that all the time from yeah. from running backs. So every time he got the ball, he was opening up and he was re- he was breaking angles of safeties. 
he had over 100 yards all-purpose. He had uh, four carries for 50 yards, averaging 12 and a half yards a carry. And then he had five receptions for 79 yards, averaging 15.8 and a touchdown. How do you feel about him going back and being a kick returner? I love that. We kind of talked about that a little earlier today. I loved it. I love Tyler Sneed back there. Don't get me wrong, because Tyler Sneed, he can't. I love Tyler Sneed. He can return kicks. He can return punts. I just feel like we got to get Mitchell the ball a lot more than what we have. And so by putting him at uh, at kick return, I feel like that's another opportunity to get the ball in his hands. Two, three more times. Well, depending if we ain't giving up points. But yeah. Exactly. And so just to see what he can do. But I still like Tyler Sneed at punt return. But I would definitely put – uh, Mitchell back there kick return just to get the ball. How in his many hands. touches would you say he had nine touches? How many would you say we need to move that to? Man, Biggie, I'm trying to move it at least about 18. 18, 18 touches and then two returns, maybe so twenty total touches. Exactly. I, I agree with that because when you go back to Chris Johnson's senior year, he was a kick returner as well, mm-hmm. and that kind of got him flowing good. Like after he returned the ball good. He's feeling good about himself and going in there and play running back, and then he's doing his thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it'll be something of a confidence boost. Not to say Harris should still play quite a bit at running back. For he can sure. still be the starter. Yes. That's fine. He can still be. I just feel like we need to get Mitchell the ball in his hands a little bit more. Kind of like a, who's the running back for the Chiefs years? Uh, years I think he wore 25. What was his name? Boy, I'm glad you brought up him. Jamal Charles. Okay, that's his name, yeah. Look, let me tell you something about this guy. Since we're talking about Jamal Charles, uh, the type of speed he has, as as playing wide receiver, we got to be more than just ball catchers. Mm-hmm. We got to be able to block as well. But when you got a kid like Jamal Charles or a Mitchell that's playing running back, as a receiver, you love blocking for these guys. And the reason why you love blocking for them because it don't matter where you're at on the field. We could be on our 10-yard line. Got to go 90. <laughs> but we know if we give him a seam, he's gone. Ain't nobody going to catch him. I just got to get on my guys. Yeah. Let me just get the safety blocked. Let me just get the corner blocked and give him a crease. And he's nobody's catching him. You know, Those are the type of running backs that, that you love blocking for because they can score from anywhere on the field. I feel like now we just got to give him the ball more. Well, uh, well typically, I like to give you a hard time sometimes. But uh, what DB could you not block? Wh- which DB – put his hands back on you, and you was like, okay. Truthfully, you had some DBs that was that was hard-nosed. You had the Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, – it's a lot of safeties that was that was tough safeties. I can't, I can't say there wasn't. But it was one safety that I could never really get my hands on him the way I want to get my hands on him because he was just so smart. It wasn't because he was physical, and he played corner. Mm-hmm. Champ Bailey. No champ. Champ Bailey. Look, one thing I I pride myself on being a great blocker when I was in the league. Whether it was coming down blocking safeties, whether it was uh, blocking DNs on the on the uh, the cutback, mm-hmm. uh, I pride myself on those things. So corners to me was cake when I looked at it. Okay. But champ, I for some reason I could not reach this guy. Like when I say <laughs> reaching him. As as an outside receiver, you're always trying to get that outside shoulder and pin this guy mm-hmm. so he can get around the corner. I could never do it. And my technique was great at blocking, I felt like. But with him, I could never block him the way I needed to block him. All right. Everybody has that one. Yeah. You know, well, going back to East Carolina, Holton Aylers, how did he play to you? How do you feel? I mean, I, I, 
real quick, I felt like he had an unfair showing because of the sometimes lack of protection or receivers not getting open. So I felt like he didn't ever have an opportunity to really show what he could do. But what are your thoughts on how Houghton Ellis played? I don't think that game really showed how how well Houghton did. Uh, I don't. I'm not saying that it that it showed that he did bad either. Mm-hmm. But you really just couldn't tell. Even if you go through his numbers, of course you want his completions to be better, to be to be more. Uh, but just going through his numbers, he threw for over 200 yards. It was uh, right under 300, 22 for 40, 295, two touchdowns, one interception. Yeah, you know, and to me, I don't even count the interception because truthfully, that should have been a touchdown. That was the hail mary. Right, right. That should have been a touchdown. That should have been a touchdown. Uh, I really feel like that call, that touchdown call at the halftime, that interception right at the half, really changed momentum of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now you go into the locker room just scoring a touchdown instead of giving up an interception. Right. Going into the locker room. That's a whole nother vibe yeah. as a player, as a coaching staff going into it. The momentum done changed for you. Yeah, impressionable minds. That can affect them. It's like things aren't going right. Here it is. We finally think we got something. And then mm-hmm. the referees take it away from us. And it's yep. like you go into the locker room dejected. And it's just like you got to come back and try to recreate this false energy that isn't really there until something sparks. And we just never were able to gain that, I felt. Like we never had that spark. Mm-hmm. I thought Mitchell's long run that he had, the catch and run, mm-hmm. might have done something. I think that was the first touchdown in the game. It was. You know, it's just like. Man, App State answered every little thing that we did right, they and then did. they added on top of it. You know, um, looking at App State's numbers, you know, you had uh, two running backs over 100 yards. Uh, they were tough. averaging seven and a half to eight yards a carry, and the quarterback was 20 for 27 for 259, two touchdowns, and they literally were just nickeling and diamond and. It seems like we were never really close to them when they had a pass. Like we was always they catch it, then we had to run and catch them and tackle them, mm-hmm. or they were just wide open and things of that nature. Now, so many things come into that. Uh, were we in man too much? Uh, did we not play the zone right? Did we blitz a little bit too much? There's so many things, but like you said earlier, the rhythm of the game for East Carolina was so thrown off that I'm sure the coach's game plan was probably there. But the fact that things didn't pan out the way we thought they might would, that they had to alter it and basically was trying to create, like I say, some type of a spark somewhere. So blitzing mm-hmm. to get a big sack or blitzing to get a big hit or moving some coverages here and there. And App State, protection-wise, their adjustment-wise, their shifts, we just never were able to keep up with them. Uh, defensively, we weren't able to keep up with them. And offensive, like you said, we only gave up, I ain't going to say only, four sacks is probably, I'm pretty sure Coach Shank is probably upset about that. Mm-hmm. But the hits on quarterback and the pressures and the hurries and stuff were a little astronomical uh, looking at it. I don't have the exact numbers, but just watching the game from a fan standpoint, it was just like he was under, uh, Houghton was under duress a lot, um, which could be on the quarterback. You know, miking the right person, which is means uh, we're directing the traffic, telling the O line or running backs who they need to go block is what we mean by miking uh, the backer or whoever it is. And those mistakes can happen. Those are mental things that can happen. And maybe we just weren't there yet. I doubt it, but I really feel like the positive from this, we did so much that seemed to be bad. Mm-hmm. It's never as bad as it seems. Mm-hmm. And now we have something to fix. Yeah. You know, we have something to fix. Now, if you go out there and you have an up-and-coming opponent in South Carolina who went out there and blew out a team, they might not know what they're supposed to fix. Mm-hmm. But we know what to fix. Yeah. 
So they're going to watch the film of our last game and say, oh, they did this wrong, they did this wrong, they did this wrong. We can expose that. But we fixed it. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to attack something that has been fixed, and maybe that works in our favor. You know, So you know, moving to that South Carolina game, uh, did you catch any of the South Carolina Eastern Illinois game? No, I didn't. I, I didn't catch any of that game, but I saw the stat lines. Um, I saw what the, what the players did, and – to me, it's hard to judge a South Carolina team off of playing a Eastern Illinois. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The caliber of team is just totally different. So you really don't know what to expect or you really don't know what South Carolina is good at because you got to look at the type of opponent that was playing. Correct. Correct. You know, so those things, I, th- I feel like it's going to be tough to get a gauge on when you when you have a team that's coming in here that haven't really played anybody yet mm-hmm. this season. Of course, they play in the SEC, so they're going to get a ton of of game film and get exposed on certain things they do well or things they don't do well. But it's hard to get a bead on it when you play at Eastern Illinois and they blow them out of the water like they did. So with what we saw from East Carolina this past week, what do you think offensively we need to try to do in order to be able to perform from week one to week two? We got to get better first. We got we got to get better just from week one to week two. That's where you get your most improvement from mm-hmm. week one to week I two. I agree with that. So you got to get better just offensively and when it comes to timing and just get into our rhythm. Uh, when we play App State, I feel like we had a good game plan coming out. We tried to establish a run a little bit. But I feel like App State just shut us down so much that now with those adjustments that I'm quite sure that we had to make or we didn't want to make until maybe halftime, mm-hmm. we had to go back into our bag a little earlier. You know, and and make adjustments on the fly that, of course, you got to make adjustments on the fly. But I don't think we wanted to make those adjustments that early (laughs) in the game because we just couldn't get anything going. You know, so just the rhythm, figure out what we do well. We still don't know what we do well. Yeah, we still don't know. And me looking at the App State game, I don't know. I still don't know what can we hang our hat on. Like, you know what? We did this well in the App State game. So let's let's build off of that. Mm-hmm. Because we were just offensively, we were just so. I don't know. We we couldn't get on on one accord offensively. So yeah. I still don't know what we can just hang our hat on. Like okay, this what we this the game plan. We did this great. We did this well. Let's go with this. I still don't know. Right, right. So I know a lot of times as a former uh, player, uh, we have a lot of group texts and chats amongst former players and talking with some of those guys. Uh, you're getting these long. I'm, I mean, I was getting paragraphs from boys from the guys mm-hmm. like. Biggie, what do you think about this? Biggie, I mean, I, I, I digress. I'm done talking about it. I'm mad. Like all these guys is upset. They're, you know, they're back and forth because you'll get the, you know, the social medias, the Instagrams and the Facebooks. We all tend to bring out that old photo that we loved ourselves in our purple and mm-hmm. gold on game week. Yep. And then it's just like, yep. this happens. You're like, oh man, I need to take the photo down. <laughs> let, me, let, let me get this off real quick. You know, I like, and I had a couple guys from Onslow County uh, from uh, play for Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, they was like, man, you sure you want to keep that photo up right now? Oh, like, I was like, don't come at me like with this mess, you know, but talking with some of the former players, you know, I know I had a chance to talk with uh, Keith Stokes, who's a very popular wide receiver that played here, and he was frustrated about the passing game. He was he was really big on, like, I don't know what we're trying to do. He was like, I normally can sit down and watch the game and sit here and try to decipher what's coming next and what's about to happen here. He was like, it would just seem like it was non-existent. That was him speaking. Now, that's coming from afar. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't been to, like, practices and stuff like that because he lives out of state. But just watching the game, you typically – we all get guilty of we talk junk. 
Mm-hmm. That's what we do. And then when people throw it back in your face, it kind of makes you a little uh, frustrated. So, you know, you kind of get into a bad mood when it comes to, you know, what are they doing and w- how can we fix it, man? We ain't this good. We're this, that, another. But we all typically reel it back in and we're still fans mm-hmm. for sure. You know, and speaking with some, uh, some former defensive linemen, they actually said that they saw the D line play with more physicality than what we have the past couple of years. That's good. They said they feel like they saw that. They felt like we didn't shift. You know, I had a couple of linebackers I talked to. Uh, one in particular, Durbin Lamb, said he didn't feel like we shifted the, to the strength when they would motion over tight ends and stuff like that. We didn't shift, and we were always in the wrong gap, where gap integrity is major mm-hmm. when it comes to the run game. When a running back is actually clearing the line of scrimmage, and he hasn't had to stop his feet to change direction or anything like that. That's a major problem because we're not putting someone in the gap. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you know, A, B, and C gap, and they should be filled on both sides of the center. And we weren't doing that. And then we were kind of getting reached a little bit too much at the end position. Um, but like I said, some guys that have uh, very popular names here that went on to play uh, professionally mm-hmm. mentioned that they really feel like we play with so much more physicality than what we're used to that one week to week one to week two, lining up in the right place and adjusting and shifting when the right when it calls for it, we will look like a better team in week two. And playing physical gives you an opportunity. Oh, yeah, definitely. Playing Just playing physical by itself – Gives you an opportunity to be successful the week in and week out because you're not going to allow a team to bully you. Uh, mm-hmm. you you're not going to allow a team to to just outwork you. So mm-hmm. definitely, I love the fact about uh, we feel like we're more more physical this year coming up. But those are the things that we just have to do. Those are the things we have to do. I feel like when it comes to our record, my goal for East Carolina coming into the coming into the season, I felt like we was going to get bowl eligible. Now, do I still feel that way? I think we can, but we got our work cut out for us. That's a lot of gray areas, man. It's because it's, Biggie, I had my victories was really that I could just mark down. Okay, we got this. We got this win. We got this win. It was really just five, but I feel like we could steal two of them. Mm-hmm. So my record, I had apps us winning the App State game. I got us beating Charleston Southern. I had us beating South Florida. I had us beaten Temple and have us beaten Navy. Navy's not the same Navy. They're not the same Navy that I felt well, like. That, that altered after. And then I, I feel like that flip-flop between the Navy and Marshall game, mm-hmm. where you might have been like, ah, we could beat Marshall. Then what they did to Navy makes you say, man. Yeah, especially so, when you got to go up to Marshall. Yeah. And luckily it's earlier in the year mm-hmm. because it won't be as cold. We have never played well in cold weather. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but we just never have. So, I mean, that, that, that works out. So, but – I'm kind of in the same boat with you as far as those wins. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping we can get some back-to-back victories. I really want to win Saturday. One, because it's South Carolina. Yep, they come to our place. And it's the first it's a season opener. They mm-hmm. came off playing a team that they shouldn't have been playing. Mm-hmm. We came off a game where we didn't do as well as we wanted to do, but we know what to need. We need to fix, mm-hmm. and I really feel like I said it already that South Carolina might not know exactly what they need to fix because they were just better talented as a whole team mm-hmm. to where okay, this guy can. I speak offensive line where I can block the defensive end because he's just not as good as me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Or we can throw this to this receiver because my receiver is just way better than that corner. Well, did the receiver run the right route? 
Did he run it accurately? The, you know, you know how you know that receiver stuff better than I do. That's right. There's a certain way you have to do the stems and uh-huh. all that stuff. I don't know. I can't go into that. You mm-hmm. can. You can speak on that better. But I just feel like they might have gotten a little worse, even though they won big. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with this opportunity for us to learn from our mistakes, we have a somewhat a veteran coaching staff. There's some veterans in there, oh, and yeah. they are. If you don't think those guys are working, they're working. You know, if we're embarrassed as former players, they're embarrassed as. As Current the employees, yep. you know what I mean? They're employees. That's their resume. They don't have a job if they don't win. So I feel like it means a lot more to them than it even might mean to us. So I feel like they're probably working. They probably went right to work. Uh, what they played probably Saturday, probably went back to work on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, I really feel like we actually have a chance. Um, I believe the atmosphere Needs to be right. Got to be right. You know, me, me and T. Cop were sitting here talking about how many people we'll have in the stands, and and what was your what was your estimate? Your guess? I'm saying thirty five thousand. Yeah, coming off of COVID, well, still in COVID, but mm-hmm. you're thinking thirty five thousand. I'm thinking thirty, and I'm I'm thinking thirty. I'm thinking I I still find it hard to believe because yeah. me and you were at those games in 2019. Mm-hmm. We were at those games and the tennis numbers that were being yelled out over the PA system. You look around. That you wasn't what it was. Yeah, what, they what might it was. have had yeah. 30,000 tickets out somewhere. Yeah. And people might have had tickets and didn't come to the game. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like we will have some people. It's the first game back where you can be in, in attendance. You got the students here on campus. Hopes are still high for the season. And, it's, and we're so young in the season. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, how do you feel? If we don't win Saturday, how's attendance going to be affected? It all depends on how we play Saturday. Okay. Uh, not wins or loss. It's just how we play. Not wins or loss. Just how we play. Okay. I feel like as a as a community, we're just looking. We're looking for a reason to come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking for a reason. And, and I wouldn't say it comes off wins and losses. Of course, at the end of the day, that's all that matters, wins and losses. But I feel like if we come out here and we put together a good performance versus South Carolina and we play these guys close and we play some good football, mm-hmm. I think the fans will start coming back in because we're we're playing East Carolina football again. Right. You know, we're getting back to what we used to do. We're getting back to playing well. Not uh, being a pushover team. Not being a pushover. And and we're starting to play well early in the season. Maybe the, the wins and losses aren't coming the way they should, but we're actually playing or playing better early in the season compared to last year, we started playing better late in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, so hopefully that'll give people confidence. Hopefully that'll, that'll just get us back in the seats. Well, you, you know, know, going going back, me and you both played in the John Thompson era. Yep. Well, we, we won one, two, Man. two games in one game or one <laughs> game in two games. It was three games in, in, in two years yeah. is what it was. I felt like we still had better support. Mm-hmm. I we did. I, I don't know if it was. I mean, we were bad. I think. I think when it comes to support, we've just been as a as a university when it comes to football, we've been bad for the last six years. Mm-hmm. I think that year with John Thompson it hadn't been that that much. Like we've been. We were four and eight. Steve Logan's last year. Last year, but before that, we went to a bowl game. Yeah, y'all talking about when y'all lost to Brian Leftwich and the boys. Was that the year? That was that year before that because I almost decommitted after y'all did that. I think it was it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. was. Yeah, so yep. it was up big. That was a classic game. Yeah, that was a classic. That was a classic game. Man, yep. I hate that. It was 64 to 60 or something, like 63 to 61, something Shucks. crazy It was like, like that. 38 to 6 at halftime. Yeah, and they came, and they came back. back. It, was, it was rough, man. <laughs> it was rough. 
Uh, but I, my boys was picking on me. I remember that. They was like, man, you going to that school? They just did that. Man. I was like, come on, man. Don't do me like that. I'm but, telling you. You know, so hopefully our tennis – and in, including former players as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, any former player that happens to listen to this, I'm calling you out because people supported us when we weren't winning. Mm-hmm. And we need to do the same for them. You know, we uh, some of us were blessed to be on scholarships and things of that nature. Well, we need to get our butts in the stands and support these kids because people supported us when we played. How about for me? I'm a, I'm a fair weather fan. I'm just going to admit it. When I say fair weather, I'm talking about if it's nice outside, you might see me at the game. But if it's hot, if it's cold, I don't know if you're going to see me at the game. Well, I mean, and I think I've, I've been to a game with you before when it was hot and you out there with the towel over your head yeah. trying not to get a tan and all that. I remember. <laughs> I, I understand. But being I, I get that. I, I I truly get that. And I think that comes with us getting older and, and mm-hmm. picking and choosing us having lives. And I understand everybody has that. But we still need to be in the building. That's right. We still need to be in the building. That's right. Like literally, we used to be able to see guys come back and see us, and we're not doing it as much as we need to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And there's some guys that are extremely talented. That defense alignment that's playing right now, Jay Ross comes and says something to him. Mm-hmm. Jay Ross won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. and played uh, six, seven years in the league. He comes and has a conversation with one of those D linemen. It might be that conversation that that kid needed. That's true. You know, Chris Moore, All-American linebacker. He's right up the street. Come on, Chris. Yeah, yeah I'm calling his name out. <laughs> it is what it is. Come Boy, on. Come you hear back. him, Chris? No, it, it is what it is. Come back. Have that conversation with these young linebackers. Mm-hmm. We can't criticize them, and I'm guilty of it. Mm-hmm. We you all know, guilty we of criticize it. it. We, we all do that. I tend to, personally, this is what I've always done. I've always reached out to the kid that was wearing number 78. Mm-hmm. That was the number I wore. I always reach out to him and say, hey, if you ever want to talk, it's up to him if he wants to talk back. Mm-hmm. But hey, if you ever want to talk, you need some advice, whatever the case may be, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or I'll at least try to go by the offensive meeting room. Now it's Coach Shankweiler's back. Mm-hmm. And he normally has had me say two, three words, introduce myself while I'm sitting there just sitting in the meeting. Yeah. So at least know my face or know that. And I'm not no big time. I, split, I had a very short stint in the NFL. It was not nothing like what you did or Vontae did or anything like that. But there has to be more than Vontae, David, and T. Cop coming back. Where's Leonard? Mm. Where's Leonard? You know what Leonard I mean? um, was the man. You know what I'm saying? Like, but people supported Leonard when he played. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude, come back. Mm-hmm. Stokes, come back. Mm-hmm. Claybrooks, come back. I forgot about Duckett, come back. Guy Wimper, come back. Duck. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm calling these guys out. I don't care if they get their feelings. I mean, it is what it is. You know, as long as all of them don't jump on me at one time, we're good. But, like, literally. These guys have to come back and show face and give these guys these that one or two word encouragement that is coming from someone outside of coach. We all have listened to somebody outside of our coach. It's just mm-hmm. like you listen to your coach more than you might have listened to daddy mm-hmm. at a certain point in time. Well, if I hear from somebody that is doing or did something that I'm trying to get to mm-hmm. and they say, hey, you need to do it this way. It's almost like you got a college football son. Mm hmm. If he asks you a question about how to run a route, who I, got, I mean, I gotta if give daddy it to confirms yeah. what coach is saying, yep. it's going to stick a little more. That's right. So why not have these, I guess we would be more since we're getting older, we're like uncles now mm-hmm. to these players, but they become part of our fraternity, which is you know East Carolina alumni football guys. Mm-hmm. Why not come back? Especially the guys that are not necessarily aged all the way out, where some of us, we still... We're still into what they're into, 
We still do some of the things that these young guys do. Mm-hmm. But instead, we're having the 60 and 70 and 80 year old guys come back consistently where that 19 and 20 might not be able to relate. True. You know what I mean? Never thought about that. And that's not just talking about the guys that he called out. That's just everybody that uh, they used to play. I know, I know we called out some names. But Those are just which, popular names yeah, that people just popular know. popular names. We're talking about everybody uh, when it comes to the, the alumni, mm-hmm. uh, the former players. Just coming back. Just coming back. Uh, like I said, just showing our face around campus. Uh, myself included. You know, uh, everybody. Everybody that they used to play here that uh, have ties here. Let's come on back and really start supporting the the organization, start pro- supporting the program, and get behind our players. For sure. Uh, and speaking of players, what do you think right now that's going on in the locker room right now? Oh man, what is what is a player mentality right now? Coming off of a, a tough loss to App State, um, rolling in. We got South Carolina rolling in here this week, coming home, our first home opener this year. What? What are you, what's what's the mentality? I'm going to speak on a unit, mm-hmm. and I'm going to speak on the offensive line because that's my baby. I love offensive line, as crazy as it seems. I truly believe that after them watching the tape, and the thing about offensive line when you're watching tape, I played left tackle. Mm-hmm. Coach Hank has always started correcting the right tackle first. Mm-hmm. So when he goes down the line, right tackle, right guard, center, left guard, I saw my mistake Four, five, six, seven, eight times before he actually got to me. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So when I get that mistake, I know it's, oh, man, I'll play 33. I know it's coming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, all right, play 30, 31, 32. Oh, man, here it go. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. We had some embarrassing moments up front, but we also had some good moments. Yeah. So I feel like as a unit that they probably are taking it a little bit more as an embarrassing thing versus harping on the few good things they did. Mm -hmm. And they are going to motivate one another to come out and actually put hands on somebody Mm -hmm. Saturday. When I say put hands on, I'm talking about we're going to put some bodies into the ground as a unit. I just really have that feel that the physical level is going to increase because I feel like we got to level up to play up to South Carolina's so-called talent level as a, you know, as a whole. Mm -hmm. SEC school is supposed to be more talented than what a uh, what are we all American team might be. Mm-hmm. Not saying that we can't compete, but on paper they're supposed to be more talented. I feel like we're going to level up. I hope South Carolina comes down, mm-hmm. and then if they do that and we level that playing field out, we are going to dominate them up front. And you are going to see Mitchell get the ball more. I feel like that's going to happen. You have to, and I feel like Harris is going to get the ball more, and I feel like. Coming home, Dowdy Ficklin, they're going to have that new video coming out. Mm-hmm. They're going to have the pirate coming out the tent, the, the purple smoke, you know, um, purple haze going to be playing. I think that energy level is going to be fantastic. So I really feel like we're going to, as a unit up front, on both sides of the ball, they're going to be challenging each other all week. Yeah. Defensive line is going to get clowned for their lack of uh, stopping the run. And the offensive line is going to get clowned for not doing their part. They're going to create inter-squad tensions where they're going to work against each other. So then by the time they get to the game, it's easy. Practice is hard. Games are easy. A lot of people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But now it's time to put up, shut up. Let's go home and get right and punch these dudes in the mouth and just do it over and over and over again. And I feel like you made a great point when you said how you know you want to talk about units. And you were talking about the offensive line. The way we lost to App State, that everybody had their hand in it. Everybody had a part to play in it. So it wasn't like that, you know, we got down to the wire, we missed a field goal. So now we're going to blame the field goal kicker. Right. The way you lost to App State, 
everybody has to look themselves in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Every position group has to look themselves in the mirror. There's no finger pointing. I guarantee you there's no finger pointing going on in that locker room. No. Because everybody knows they could have done something better, especially once you watch film. Everybody should feel embarrassed. Every when I say embarrassed, I'm talking about embarrassed, not embarrassed about how how the community looks at you or anything like that, because we still pirates to the end, so that don't matter. You need to be embarrassed of how your teammates are looking at you. Right. You know, because at the end of the day, that's who you play for. Mm-hmm. You just represent East Carolina University. You represent uh, Greenville, North Carolina. That's who you represent. But you play for those guys in the locker room. So mm-hmm. in my mind, when I'm watching film and we sit in that film room after a game and all the players in there watching and my play come up and I do something crazy, I'm not worrying about what the fans are thinking. I'm worrying about what my teammates feel, how they feel right. about it. You know the ones that's seeing it, they know, they the they know your it. work ethic. You don't want a teammate to leave the locker room saying, oh, uh, T-Cop didn't do what he was supposed to do, and then he had the audacity to come to practice yeah. and be lazy today. Like, it doesn't work that way. I mean, we've all had those cancers on the team. Mm-hmm. We've all seen it. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to throw a name out like that, but I, we both know there's a name or two or three or four or five that we can say, man, I just wish he wasn't even on the team when we was playing. Or when this coaching change happened, this player didn't buy in or this person didn't buy in. Well, he talking about transferring anyway and where they can mm-hmm. transfer as easy as they can now. You know, that's It's very easy for it to happen. But these coaches are, I said, a veteran group. And then they have those young coaches that still can kind of – Men, those the age gap between player and coach. Those young coaches just hold it all together, and they're going to be the glue. And I think Coach Houston's not going to let it get too far away. Like, I really feel like we are focused, and it's time to go to work, and we're going to have a solid week of practice. Mm-hmm. And then it's not to mention now, playing on a Thursday night is different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's big difference where you have a full week of practice, and you're on a regular week schedule yep. where – I believe if we go back, I think we were off on what Mondays. Mondays we had off. We had was off Mondays. Tuesday was a rough day. Was Wednesday a rough was day. Worth, rough day. Mm-hmm. Thursday kind of lax. Friday was a walk through to yep. travel or go to the hotel locally. Yep. Well, you're coming out of camp. You really don't have a rhythm. Mm-mm. Coming out of camp, you're trying to rest up too, and then you have a short week. Yep. When you're trying to get your rest back up and get your bodies back acclimated for a game situation versus a camp and learning and trying to install. Now it's time to go. Biggest thing I feel like is just a major plus. I hate that we lost is that we know what we have to fix. We have proof of how to do it wrong. <laughs> exactly. And we have proof of how to do it wrong. And when we get that wide shot or that, re- that rear camera view to show every little gap that we might not have been in or the six inches here, if we would have stepped this way or that two inches this way or that half a second we needed a little longer, those little things, we're going to see it. And I feel like our guys are up to the task of learning from their mistakes. And, and the good thing about it is we played early. We played on a Thursday. So leading to this game, mm-hmm. we got an extra a few more days yeah. that we can actually study because we're going to need it because mm-hmm. South Carolina, they're not naming their starting quarterback yet. Right. right. So we don't know who's going to play quarterback. I mean, you got to you have some type of idea of who's going to play because the kid Nolan, he what, 13 for 22, 120 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. But, you know, he was a coach literally three weeks before then. He, he was, was a grad, grad, grad yeah. assistant. So he had a grasp of the offense because he was coaching, mm-hmm. you know, and then Dottie who was a starter at late last year, they're not sure if – he said he should be 100% to go come Saturday. So their coach is saying they don't know if it's going to be Nolan, Dottie, and then potentially Brown still. And Brown played a little bit in the game last week. And just to kind of give you information on how big that is, because when you're setting your defense, when you're scouting the offense, you know who's the quarterback. You know his weaknesses. You know his strengths. And so you kind of set your defense around that, what they're good at, what they're not good at. 
when you don't know who the quarterback is, you have no idea of how to really set your defense. Of course, you can set your defense to the run plays. Those run plays still can be the run plays. But what if one of these quarterbacks have a leg that can run? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. now instead of you having a quarterback that that's just throwing the ball, now you got to have somebody there to spot the a quarterback. Yeah, you know, because he may take off and run on you. But if you don't know who's the quarterback, these little things like that that'll get you beat. It's tough to really implement it until you really know who you're dealing with. Uh, knowing your enemy is a huge part of being successful. For you got to sure. know who they are. And right now, we don't know. We don't know who the quarterback is. I know something we do know, that we didn't do a phenomenal job stopping the run last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, we gave up two 100-yard rushers on, what was it, 29 carries for 226 yards between two running backs. And South Carolina's coming in with the kid White, who had 12 carries for 128 and averaged the first down on every carry. Mm. I mean, average the first down. Now, again, they were playing someone that they should have been able to do that to. But we haven't been good at stopping it. So I imagine we're going to see some runs. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of runs. I mean, they ran 40-plus times against Eastern Illinois, which obviously they were up uh, big. So they're probably just trying to run the ball to run the clock out. And probably, just to be honest, fourth quarter probably was practice. You know, fourth quarter was probably games like live scrimmage is basically what the fourth quarter was for South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So them running the ball 40-something times, us giving up 200-something less than 30 times, less than 30 carries last week and we gave up two-plus. A little nervous of that. Yeah. You know, we haven't been uh, known to stop the run the past few years. That's so true. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And in the SEC, normally are big. They're normally strong. But, again, like I said, former players chimed in and said that we, they feel like we play with a lot more aggression give you opportunity. than what we have. So, breathing and you alive on that day, it's college <laughs> football, and you play with some attitude, you got a chance. You got a chance. You got a chance, you know. Uh, but, in a nutshell, who you picking, East Carolina or South Carolina? Oh, I got to go with ECU. That's one thing I would never do. I would never go against East Carolina. Uh, I just can't. I just can't. You I do, feel like you, you do know that you just gave them your wins and losses. So, but I'm still going with. I'm still. I'm verbally. I'm verbally always going to say East Carolina. I cannot. I, you know, I can't. I, I can't that. bring my mouth to say East Anybody Carolina going to get beat. I, I'm with you. I can't bring my mouth to I'm say it. I'm going to say we got a chance. We got a chance. We got a chance. I, it's a story. Bringing this up, you know, we, <laughs> me and T. Cop were talking about on the podcast. What we're going to try to do is bring a story in from our playing days or get a story from a current or former player. <laughs> and speaking of, you know, choosing your team. So when you go to a university and you become that university, I became an East Carolina Pirate. Mm-hmm. Been an Oklahoma Sooner fan growing up. was in Oklahoma. I was a Sooner fan. Mm-hmm. So I naturally, Sooners became on the back burner. East Carolina, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, East Carolina don't like Carolina, but daggone it, I don't like Carolina either. Exactly. Even though two weeks before I signed the papers, I was considered going there. Yep. You know, uh, NC State, same thing. We're in the weight room, and uh, Chris Moore and Lorenzo Pickett are having a back and forth because Chris Moore says his team is Florida State. Okay. Lorenzo Pickett didn't understand that. He says, no, man, your team is East Carolina. (laughs) Next thing you know, fists fist get to flying uh-huh. in the middle of the weight room. Brotherly love. There was not no animosity. <laughs> Brotherly love. You know, everybody understood, but it definitely led to a scrap, you know. And uh, it, it was fun and good times, man. And uh, 
I look forward to finding some more of these stories, you know, and seeing picking your brand and you going back to when you were playing before me and then being able to reach out to some other guys because we all have some hilarious things to talk about, you know. Yes. You know, I, I can remember a story, and, and, and Duck is probably going to hate me for this, mm-hmm. but uh, we're getting ready to do board drills. And um, Domain throws one of the teammates out the way. Mm-hmm. Me and Domain are living together around this time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, I got this. He's an upperclassman, 6'7", long arms. I'm yep. a little nervous. I'm still kind of young in the game. And then I wrote, I flat-backed him. And then he fakes an injury. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, hold on, Doug. You ain't hurt. Like, I actually won this drill this time. And now you're going to act like this. Like, I took away the fun and being able to talk yeah. junk behind it. You know what I mean? Now, he'll probably see me in the future and want to, you know, re- do a rematch just because I said this, you know? Exactly. But speaking of you, tell me this. A welcome to the NFL moment that you possibly had. Oh, my goodness. Besides taxes and the football... <laughs> Besides taxes and the football, it has to be when I was with with the Cowboys. And I have so many stories when it comes to that. But when I say taxes and the football, I'm talking about once you get your game check, how much taxes they take out of it. That was a welcome to the NFL. Wasn't it? And then the actual football. uh, You know, in college, you got the white stripe around the football. Mm -hmm. Well, in the pros, it's just one brown ball. Mm -hmm. You know, so you don't locate it. As quickly as you would with that white stripe coming at you because the ball can blend in with the atmosphere. That's why I love playing snow games or I will wear white gloves because the contrast of the ball and the white background makes sense. You can see it a lot better. Uh, So those are my two first eye openers when they just come to uh, welcome to the NFL. But when I play with the Cowboys, man, Todd Haley. And I give Todd Haley all the respect because if it wasn't for Todd Haley, I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't played as long as I played. Okay. Uh, but when I first got to the NFL, my first couple of years with was with Todd Haley. Bill Parcells, the head coach, Todd Haley's receiver coach. Mo Carthon was the running back coach. So we had some some good uh, assistant coaches. But I used to get dog cussed every single day. I'm talking about not just. T, what what you doing? I'm talking about, excuse my language, I'm not going to say the words, but I got to put it in content so you can understand where I'm coming from. T, cop, you might be one of the dumbest MF has ever seen. <laughs> it's that tight. It's that tight. <laughs> so as a, as a rookie coming into it, I'm like, man, this is a little different. Yeah. This is a little different. It wasn't just your regular coach talking. Like, it was like, Yeah, but it's like if we in the street, this might be fighting words. (laughs) But you had but I had to take it because I knew in order for me to make this team, I had to take certain things. And plus me being a rookie, I'm thinking this is what this is just how they coach. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew coming to the league. So we used to have for training camp, we used to have family days where you can bring your family in uh, and they can watch training camp uh, and they can visit you. I told my family, let's stay home. Stay home. Do not come to family day. I don't want you to see what's happening. Nah, today. they didn't need to see that. Yeah. I'm talking about like I used to get I used to get it, Biggie. I used to get it. But I'm gonna tell you all that stuff came back around. Uh so like I told you, Todd Haley was my receiver coach in Dallas. He was one of the ones that really just got on me. But I was so mentally strong. That's what the goal was to make you mentally tough, mm-hmm. make you mentally tough. That when I came home after the season, I was so headstrong, so mentally tough that you know, my family was like, uh, I got to do this, but we can get it done. I was like, no, we got to get it done now. We got to do it like this, like that. So I was militant 
when I came oh, home. Oh, you brought it home with you. Because that's how I was programmed. Mm-hmm. You know, I was pro- so I had to find myself like, oh, let me hold, let me pull back a little bit and get in family mode. But I was that's how mentally headstrong I was over the type of coaching I was getting down right. there. But the way it came back to full circle is Tyler Hayes was my receiver coach in Dallas. Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator in Dallas. So once I left Dallas, Sean Payton, they picked me up in New Orleans okay. uh, the day after because they knew the type of player I was, the type of guy I was going to be in the locker room. So he picked me up the next day. And that's how I got to New Orleans. Well, the way I got from New Orleans to Baltimore is, of course, when I'm in Dallas, we play the Eagles twice a year. So I was in Dallas for two years. Mm-hmm. So we play the Eagles what four times? Four times, yeah. Four times. Then when I went to New Orleans, we played the Eagles like a three, three more times. So within my first three to five years, I already played the Eagles like six, seven times. Like six, seven times already. Well, the way I get to Baltimore is the special teams coach for the Eagles is now Coach Harbaugh. He's the head coach for the for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. He was a special teams coach. And you know, I my claim to fame was special teams. When I was in the league, so I used to dominate the Eagles. So that's how I leave from uh, New Orleans to Baltimore because Harbaugh because Harbaugh was the co- was the head coach, and he seen how I played playing against him. So this how it goes full circle again. So once I leave Baltimore, Todd Haley, who was my receiver coach in Dallas, is now the head coach for Kansas City. So when I leave Baltimore, <laughs> I get picked up the next day, and I go to Kansas City, and I finish my career out. So that's why I say you can never burn bridges regardless of how things are going. Always keep those relationships intact because you just don't know. That's fantastic. You just don't know. It's amazing. Football is such a – I wish – I almost wish that it was – obviously it's not possible, but I wish everybody can experience walking out to 50,000. Mm-hmm. I wish everybody can experience the locker room and the growth of you becoming a boy to a man mm-hmm. and then a man into a grown man. You know, as we go to the NFL and stuff like those things that you learn from that hundred and some teammates in college that come from different, you know, racial backgrounds, religious backgrounds, you know, you know, uh, morals and all of these different things are different. You got all Mm -hmm. these different people. There's so much to learn from them, coaches and player wise. You know, a lot of people don't give the coaches enough uh, credit about how they mold you. Yep. You know, they they really do. I remember when my. uh First child was born, uh, Coach Shank calls me. I hadn't talked to him in four years. He sees a picture on Facebook. That baby deserved to have you in her life the whole time. And, the, and the, you better be a good dad. I'm just like, okay. yes, sir. Yeah. In the back of my mind, I'm, like, I'm a grown <laughs> man. You calling me, telling me this for? But he's like calling me out because he saw a Facebook picture of me holding a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And he was just like, you better be a good dad. And, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, man. And to this day, I'm like, yes, sir. You know yeah. what I mean, like I just now kind of got the nerve to almost possibly think about to talk back to him. Yeah. And I still won't. Yeah. You know what I mean? He has absolutely no control over me, but it's like I'm still hesitant because of the respect re- level. Those relationships. Yeah. You know, those yeah. relationships, you know, but but before we go off, you know, I definitely want to uh, uh, really just say, you know, we, we're going to miss my guy, David Patton. You know, he played for he played with the Patriots during the Super Bowl run. Uh, he was a teammate of mine when I was in New Orleans. He was one of my favorite players uh, growing up as a kid because I was a Patriot fan when mm-hmm. I was when I was young. Uh, he just passed on Friday, I want to say. Uh, like I said, so it's definitely thoughts and prayers goes out to his family. And Big E, that is a wrap for the War Room podcast. Oh, good Great job today, man. Oh, uh, I appreciate it. I love the insight that you bring, man. 
Uh, like I said, looking forward to a lot more. And one last thing. Pirate Faithful, show up Saturday. Show up. Let's get Daddy Ficklin rocking like it deserves to be rocking. Mm-hmm. Let's put those structures to the test. Make sure they're still strong and willing to hold up this way. We got a beautiful field, beautiful stadium, the best logo in the middle of the field in college football. Let's show South Carolina what North Carolina is about at East Carolina. That is. Say no more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.